0: Hi, I'm Kanika, and you're listening to That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast where I interview public figures on their life lessons in parenting, legacy, and built in sixth sense. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland, and you're checking out That's Total Mom Sense. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton, and my experience on That's Total Mom Sense was fantastic. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Thank you to my guests, brand partners, community, and you for making this show possible. Episodes release every Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can join my tribe by logging on to thatstotalmomsense.com and by following me on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at Kanika Chadda Gupta. Now let's dive in to today's episode. And now a word from our sponsors. Hi, it's Kanika. Do you dream about being able to take your kids to the park on a random weekday and have a career that fuels your creativity? Yes, this is actually possible. And that's why I partnered with Amanda Rush Holmes, founder of Full Time VA, to sponsor this episode. What's the answer, you ask? Becoming a virtual assistant. As a virtual assistant, you can offer the services you want to offer, set your own rates, Work the hours you want to work and be your own boss. Now you might be thinking, that sounds too good to be true. How do I get started? Amanda has put together a free training on how to become a virtual assistant that makes full time income with part time hours. And as a special gift for that Total Mom Sense listeners, When you go to thefulltimeva.com backslash Momsense, Amanda is also including a bonus free guide, the VA Kickstarter workbook. So visit thefulltimeva.com backslash Momsense for the free training and guide. With the U.S. Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade, where about half the states in the country ban abortion, Having kids learn about sex has become crucial, but how young is too young? Many of us feel awkward as parents having to talk about the birds and the beads. We don't want to divulge too much. We just want to preserve their innocence and so on. So how do we go about it? My guest today is here to help. Amy Lang has been a sexual health educator for over 25 years. With her lively, engaging, and down-to-earth style, she helps parents become their kids' go-to source. And she also has a series of books, an online solution center, and podcasts to help. She provides childhood sexual development and sexual abuse prevention training for early childhood and youth-serving organizations. She is married to her first husband, and they are getting the hang of parenting after their recently launched man-child. She lives in Seattle, Washington, and you can learn more about her at birdsandbeesandkids.com. Okay, Amy, thank you so much for joining me on That's Total Nonsense. Yeah, my pleasure. And thank you for pointing out that
1: that abortion thing has made this so much more important. I mean, it's always been important, but more important than it's ever been. How did you get into this line of work? So I had been doing just general sexual health education for over 16 years. So I was doing pregnancy, abortion, birth control counseling, STI counseling, loved it. It was my hobby and assumed that I was going to be a total rock star at the talks when I had kids and when my son Milo was about five, he was getting ready for a bath and he grabbed his penis and he said, Hey mama, did you know? And I stood there and I thought, please do not tell me it feels good to touch your penis because I got nothing. Right. <laughs> oh my God. that just makes yeah, me So I, I, okay. I was good. I poker faced and I said, what? And he said, I can see the veins in there where the blood goes. And I said, excellent. Get in the bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> that was my moment where I realized that I was not going to be good at this. So I started doing some research for you know our family to figure this out. And then as I was doing that, I realized that I could probably help other parents have these conversations with their kids. And so the other part of my background is that I have a master's degree in applied behavioral science. And my focus was in group facilitation and adult education.
0: So I just combined my two favorite things and here we are. Abortion has been banned across 20 plus states in our country. Have you found that sex ed has become even more in demand in schools?
1: Yeah, it seems to be that I'm getting more emails of people reaching out and saying, we've got to to do better. We need more. They're not necessarily connecting it back to the abortion situation, but they're suddenly it's more top of mind. And parents realize that This is not going to be an option, an easy option. Not that it's ever particularly easy, but it's way, it's more and more important that kids are able to protect themselves from pregnancy, unintended pregnancy, and just to be more educated. And so it's good,
0: good news, bad news, right? Yes. 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 And I mean, in my home state of New Jersey, I know that they start the curriculum really young. It's as young as elementary school, like Mm -hmm. younger than fifth grade that they're learning sex ed. What's your take on that? Is that too young? No. Mm-mm.
1: So we know that in the states that have comprehensive sexuality education starting in kindergarten, I'll explain what they do in kindergarten in just a second. Those kids do better. Their pregnancy rates, STI, HIV rates are considerably lower than states that are just trotting out puberty education in fifth grade and then throwing something at them in eighth grade and then something senior year. The comprehensive piece is something that has gotten this stupidly bad rap. Parents don't understand like what that means and the impact of it. So in kindergarten, they're learning about bodies and boundaries and friendships and families. They're not learning. I mean, they're like, they're not learning about S and M. Like there's all these awful rumors. Right. Right. And then by the time they get to uh, fourth or fifth grade, they're looking at reproduction and puberty and more about relationships and healthy relationships and consent. So by the time they get into high school, they're talking about just about everything. And this needs to happen because lots of families, lots of parents don't talk with their kids or are in the one and done mode. And we know just all you have to do is look at like Alabama and Mississippi and Louisiana. They have terrible sex ed, abstinence-based, does not work. Everybody does it. Everybody's in something sexual by the time they're 19. So if abstinence education worked, they would have the lowest teen pregnancy rates, right? Right. They have the highest. So sometimes parents are like, oh, no, it's too much. It's not too much it's great in terms of like a su- supplemental to what's happening at home. And again, those kids who don't have access to the kind of sex education that you and I can provide
0: with our kids, the kids need this. I think what's scary is giving them too much information so that they get a little experimentive. And on the flip side, having information could very well prevent child sexual abuse and molestation and that kind of thing, because they know what good touch, bad touch, is more than just that?
1: The idea that by kids who are sex educated, like know all the things, have open communication in their families, have that information, are really prepared for this part of life. They tend to wait, not a ton, six months, And when they do decide to have penis and vagina sex, they do it safely. They use birth control. They, with consent, and they understand that better. They're more confident in their sexuality and in their decision-making. So this idea that it's going to encourage them to experiment is, that's not a thing because in terms of, sexual development uh they experiment it's part of learning how it's part of our sexuality and Mm. you know just like our you know our intellect and our social skills develop over time so does our sexuality and so one of the reasons like my philosophy is the way it is is that when i started researching you know how do we do this when should we start and all that i looked at i was like okay what country i didn't know right like what country is doing the best it's the Mm. netherlands they have the lowest teen pregnancy. They have the best sexual health outcomes for their adolescents. And they have comprehensive sexuality education starting in kindergarten. There is no not knowing, and they are way, way healthier. And if we look at sexuality education and our sexuality as a health and safety issue, then that for me was like, okay, this is about my child's health and safety. Which leads me to your comment, which is absolutely correct about reducing the incidence of sexual abuse, empowering kids to make healthier, safer decisions, knowing you know the difference between safe touch and unsafe touch, uh, being able to say, hey, this happened to me, and know they can trust their parent to say, hey, I'll get you help, right? We need to just admit that, our kids need this information, and the easiest way to just like understand this is just look at your own experience. How Were you
0: prepared? No, I mean, I culturally coming from you know an Indian heritage, it's still taboo. I still can't talk about that kind of thing with my parents. And I'm 40. There is a case a friend of mine told me about. So that happened at her school in Central New Jersey, where a 13 year old boy got a nine-year-old girl pregnant. And thankfully, you know, our abortion laws are not affected in that way. And so she had the medical procedure done and recovered just fine. But to have that even take place is just like my brain exploded when she told us.
1: That incident is incredibly, incredibly rare. And that has nothing to do with sex education. And so, you know, a nine year old being able to get pregnant is very, very rare. If she's menstruating by then, she yeah, she to- can. And she should know, right? And she should know that it's not okay or safe for kids to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and we don't know the relationship. Usually the children have some kind of relationship. So, sibling, cousin, close friend of the family. And you know, that is horrifying to me, but I don't want anybody listening to this to think that that is something that's happened to your child. It is just not. Right. It is right. Not.
0: Yeah. But, and, and maybe it was, who knows? Did she know too much? Did she know too little? No, and, she no? did not. Stop.
1: <gasps> Sorry. She did not know too much. That's okay. not a thing. Okay like the okay. only place the only place that kids get too much information is through porn exposure. So if i had to guess that 13 year old was watching porn and then took it on to do that to that child. Now we don't know, right? right? So the thing that is really messing with kids in terms of that sort of behavior is porn exposure. And yeah. i think that's how you do sex. It can be traumatizing to see it. Kids can Get addicted to it. And it's a terrible, terrible thing. So I just, that is too much information. And sure. that is absolutely not safe for kids. And it's messing them up. And it is super sad. And it pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah. sorry, I'm getting like intense with you. But I just, you know, we've talked before. I just want you to trust me when I tell you that it is almost impossible for parents to give their kids
0: too much information because we didn't get enough. We right. know what we're doing. I no, I see your point, and I think why it's really imperative that parents have this talk period and and early on is because the exposure is so available and pervasive. You know, all it takes is looking at something on your phone, or when they're using their tablets and they're on YouTube. And sure, you can put the sensors in place and all of that, but the parents should be the ones kind of informing them and giving them the lay of the land because kids are not going to be rummaging under their parents' bed or, you know, drawers to find a porn magazine that doesn't really exist anymore. Everything is digital and they know how to access and swipe and all of that from age two. Mm -hmm. Which is not good.
1: So let me just talk a little bit, like we haven't talked about like when and how to have the conversations. And i I think that will be helpful um, because first of all, this is not a one and done It's like multiple short conversations throughout the years. So you mm-hmm. don't have to sit your kid down and say, all right, here are the facts of life. That's not a thing. Like we don't do that anymore. And right. if you think about your general parenting life, you don't like park your child down and say, okay, this is how we have manners at dinner. And so you're going to do this and this and this and this and this. We don't spend half an hour like lecturing, generally speaking. Of course, sometimes we do. Um, yeah. So that's the first thing. It's short and sweet conversations throughout the years. I am a super fan of books and books are your friend. You can't know everything, right? And the lovely thing about reading books with your kids is A, this is already a normal part of your family life, right? And B, the attention's on the book, not on you and your sweaty upper lip and your glass of wine or whatever, (laughs) right? So the other thing too is like, I keep saying this, but you need to think about this in terms of preparing your child, preparing your child for this part of life. Instead of trying to get them to not do stuff, because that's, everybody does something with whose last name is sex by the time they're about 19. That's that's what all the studies show. If you're thinking about this in terms of preparing your child for one of the biggest things we do in our lives, we don't do anything bigger than this in my mind. It's about our bodies, our hearts, our minds, you know, our souls, our spirits, right? It's about everything. And so if we're not giving our kids the gift of this information, they're going to struggle just like. We did, right? I don't want, I didn't want my kid, he's he's cooked. Um. I don't want my kid to have the experience that I did, right? Yeah. I want him to feel really comfortable and confident, right? So if you can kind of switch your mind around to that. And then the other thing that everybody wants to know is like, how old should they be when they basically learn about the penis and vagina thing, right? How babies are made. And this may be surprising and feel uncomfortable, but there are good reasons for it. So the ideal age to get that out of the way is about five. Here's why. So if you yes. think about five-year-olds, they are super curious. They're open. They don't know what we know, so they don't come into this conversation with any kind of baggage like we do. Like we don't know there's anything. They don't know there's anything fabulous about sex. And they don't know if there's anything crappy, right? I think about them as an empty vessel and they're also starting kindergarten where they're hanging out with kids who've been swiping left since they were two years old. And so they have lots more information. They talk to each other. Like I had a mom call me, a friend of Milo's call me when they were in about second grade. And she said, Amy, last night, Olivia stood in front of the television and announced, I know what sex is. And They hadn't talked to her and she, she said, what? And She said, it's when you kiss with tongues. And they said, great, thanks. Where'd you hear that? Fourth grade girl on the playground. Oh, yeah. So misinformation is happening. I mean, you know, kissing with tongues can be part of sex, right? So the other reason to start sooner rather than later is that you are establishing yourself as that go-to person. And you're also establishing that we talk about this in our family. This is a normal part of our family life. And, you know, as they get older, they may not like it, but who cares? They're not in charge of this they're not in charge at all. Right. We are, you are. Yeah. And you know, I think that, and I know people get like, Oh, five too young, but that's because we're projecting. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you know, what sex is you have your sexual history and you look at your kid and you're like, Oh my God, TMI. Right. And your whole bag of stuff is too much information. But if you think about this in terms of and the other thing about littles is that it's just science, Right. Yeah. Penis, vagina, usual way feels good to grown-up bodies, not for kids. So if you're, if you became pregnant or they came to be through IVF, tell them, they yes. don't know if you agonize or if this was trouble for you or whatever, they don't know that. So that's the other joy of talking with young kids sooner rather than later. It's just science and information to them. They don't attach what we attach to it. And, yes. and I promise you, if you tell your five or six-year-old, this is the usual baby, way babies are made, bodies close, agree together, penis, agree to do this, penis goes in the vagina, they, the standard response is, are you ready? Oh, hm. weird, gross, did you do that? And you're like, just the one time, only twice, but you just say, yeah, or, you know, like, yeah, that's part of, you know, being in a relationship. And if you want to make a baby, that's the usual way. Sometimes sperm, egg, IVF, right? Yes. You just need to say the things and then be really clear. It's not for kids. It's for later in life. So you hear my language, right? I'm not saying for adults because that's pants on fire lying. It's for later in life. Because teenagers have sex. And if in your family, you believe that people should wait until they have sex or wait until they're 28, which would be perfect. But nobody does that. If you if you, that's what you say, it's like we, in our family, we believe you should wait until you're in a loving, committed relationship, until you're married, until you're a grown up, And then you have to add the here's why. Because you need to be adult and can make clear decisions and understand how all this works. And then you just say, we'll be talking about it a lot. So you're ready for this part of life.
0: Right. Can you do um, some role play really briefly on how you break it down to a science, to a five-year-old? So again, books.
1: So okay. that's the, really the first thing. Ah, if, awesome. you're, if you're in the car and they're like, Hey, you know, how is a baby made? Or you see a pregnant person and they're like, how did the baby get in there? And so two things you can say, great question. Thanks for asking. How do you think the baby got in there? Cause you're going to data gather. Right, and they may say what you don't you don't want to hear. Right, and so that also gives you time to kind of gather yourself. So you can do two things: you can say, you know what, I need to think about how to answer your question and put them off, or you can say, okay, here's how this works. So first of all, this is not for kids, right? It's for grownups. And so when, when somebody wants to make a baby, usually what happens is that then, and again, they agree to do this is that their bodies get really close together. Um, This is something that feels good to them and they agree to do. So we're like pushing on consent, right? They agree to do. And the penis, the person with the penis, the penis can go inside the other person's body into the vagina there's some rubbing that happens. And then then the man has something called sperm and that sperm gets put into the vagina. And then there's a tiny little, the sperm is tiny and the woman, there's a tiny little egg and they turn, and that's what grows up into the baby. They go into the uterus and it grows into a baby, it takes 10 months. And then the mom's body can push the baby out through the vagina, not recommended, but whatever. <laughs> Can well, go into that, right? It can yeah. be painful, but it's really cool that the body can do this. And then if C-section, if that happened to you, that's it. Now, again, I like books because then you don't have to say all those things, but you can say
0: penis, vagina, sperm, egg, uterus, boom. And use use them as the terms. I mean, up till now, many of my friends and I, we, we, I use like the, you know, cutesy Hindi, that's what we speak at home um, yeah. term for it. Yeah. So I should change that, right? Yeah. So you should use in both languages the
1: correct terms. And if you have been using the cutesy terms, and just say, you know what? You're old enough now to know that that's actually called your penis. Okay. And this is actually called your vulva. Mm-hmm. And then do both languages. And then when you talk about those parts of their body, you need to use the correct terms. So once you feel like they know what's going on, like they got it, then go back to slang. I mean, once Milo, you know, he knew the, what body parts were from the time he was little. So mm-hmm. I don't think I've said the word penis to him in years and years and years. I say junk business down there. I use all the slang because it makes it more lighthearted. And I know he knows,
0: right? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I know he sense.
1: knows. And they're really good books with for body parts. So again, I love the book. It's so amazing. And also it's uh, not the stork or great because you can look at the pictures and say, here is the male body and look at all these parts. And then here's the female body and look at all these parts. And again, they're not coming into this with any kind of trouble, right? Mm-hmm. It's just science and information to them.
0: Right. So um, love that you had some book recommendations, any other resources that we should use to...
1: Yeah. So I have, if I may, I have have something called the Birds and Bees Solution Center, and it is full of videos about how to have the conversations, like specifics more than what I'm doing now, what they need to know by each age and stage, so tips and tricks, and then specific videos. Like I think there are three about porn and online safety, their classes on bu- puberty and all kinds of things. And a couple of things that come along with that are monthly. I On Wednesdays, I called it hump day, half hour. And I yeah, nice. do a little bit at the top about like masturbation. And then it's just open Q&A. And then I do special topic webinars. So I'm doing one on uh, tough topics coming up, like how to talk about abortion and rape and yucky
0: stuff, because you got to do that. Yes, it's true. How do you talk to tweens? Because it's a totally different conversation by then. Yeah.
1: The good news about tweens is that you can really kind of because part of the problem is that there's a shorter amount of time to get them where they should be. So by the time by the time they're about 12, they should know the basics of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a lot. So the good news, bad news is, the good news is you only have to say things like once or twice, like, hey, this is what birth control is. You know, if you're going to have the kind of sex where you might get pregnant, you need to use condoms, da, 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 da. Like there are ways to prevent that. You know, talking openly, you can talk pretty openly about, you know, actual sex. They need to know the different kinds of, excuse me, sex acts. And, but you don't start there. Again, you start with reproduction. And if you haven't started the conversations if your kid is over 9, then one thing that is imperative that you do is that you say, "Hey, I am really sorry. We, you know, it's time for us to be talking about sex and relationships and bodies and all that. I should have started this sooner. I did not know, and again, I'm really sorry." And here we go. And you okay. kick the door open and you don't then launch into anything. And then you start the conversations. And my new book Sex Talks with Tweens, what to say and how to say it is exactly what it sounds like. It's full of scripts and tips to help you have conversations with tweens. Now, the bad news about tweens is they are very much not into this. Usually they're grossed out by it. They don't want to hear it. Oftentimes they say they already know things, especially if they've had sex education and you just need to push through that and just say, you know, I'm, I know you're uncomfortable. I am too, but we need to do this. You need to, I need to know that, you know, the things that are important. And then use your timer, like set your timer for two minutes. You don't have to respond to me. I just need you to listen. No matter what you say, when you get to the end, you say, what do you think? You give them an opportunity to respond. What do you think? Questions and see what happens. And this takes practice. And so yes. practice is not cheating. That no, or that's
0: great. And time. then again, if you're having some sort of dialogue, open dialogue at every stage, then it's not as awkward by the time exactly. Yeah, exactly. They expect it. Yeah, exactly. Don't like it? We don't care. Right, right, right. Eat your broccoli. Same thing. (laughs) Yes. On to just masturbation. Is there too much? And like, how do we talk to boys about that? So
1: first of all, young kids figure out it feels good to touch their privates, Um, sometimes from birth, right? The clitoris' only job is pleasure. You know, penises feel good to touch them. And so kids will figure that out. And so with young kids, I don't call it masturbation because it just sounds so grown-up-y to me, right? Mm -hmm. So I say self-pleasure and they're doing it because of that. It feels good. It's also, they've had a long day, hand goes down the pants. They're bored in the grocery store, hand goes down the pants. Usually there's a pattern like it's before bedtime, when they're stressed out, at nap time. You You can see that pattern. And so with a young child, if they just do it all the time, then there's something going on. Oftentimes it's just anxiety. It could be something else. So when your kiddo is doing that, you just need to say to them, Hey, you know what? I know that feels good. And, and this is Amy's value. And it's totally fine for you to touch your privates, but that's something you need to do when you're alone in your bedroom or the bathroom, people feel uncomfortable when they see someone touching their privates, they'll say why. And you'll say, because that's the way it is. And everybody masturbates like, it doesn't matter. Penis havers, it's easier because, you know, there it is. Um, But everybody should know that the the clitoris job is to feel good. And if this is not in your family value system, just be very, very careful when you, if you redirect your kid's behavior, don't shame them. Don't yell at them. Don't make them feel bad. Just say, hey, you know, it's not okay to touch your privates and let's go wash hands. All right. They're going to do what they're going to do. Like you can't, right? But so the most important thing is that you're kind to them.
0: I wanted to touch on trauma and molestation, sexual abuse, rape. I mean, I think one, you know, really marquee case comes to mind Larry Nasser and the National Gymnastics Team. The fact that there were hundreds mm-hmm. of young girls who had been mm-hmm. sexually abused for more than half their lives, some of them, you know, from age you know, eight or nine through like when they actually uh, competed in the Olympic games in their teens and early twenties is gut wrenching and, you know, their testimonies. And that's what I always come back to. And then I think these parents were so unassuming. And then of course, they weren't set up to be with their children when they were getting PT or, what have you, they had to sign consent forms where they were actually kept out of the clinics yeah. and out of the basement where he was or hotel room or wherever the hell he did this stuff. So how can we advocate for our kids so that they're not put in those situations? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, he is, a, he is the devil. Yeah. <laughs> he is the devil. So a
1: couple things. So first of all, if your child knows from an early age that it is the, no one should touch their privates unless they need help. So, if there's something going on, they're itchy, et cetera, et cetera. They should also know that uh, every adult knows that. The problem with Larry is that he was able to say this is part of our treatment. So, the girls didn't know. So,
0: yeah. if the doctor, so you just when you test, yeah, police officer, things like that, you're, uh, you know, yeah. Um, and the person, uncle, you just usually known, help. right? Usually known to the family. The girls, yeah, some of the girls tried
1: to tell, and the parents were like, oh, never do that. Right. So that's the other thing. If your child ever tells you someone has done something to them, believe them. They do yes. not lie. You don't allow an adult, even if you trust them to be alone with your child, you know, right. that's a classic. It's classic. They groom the parents, right? Oh, I'm trustworthy. We'll be in the basement doing this thing. I mean, it is astounding what he did because it was all under the guise of it's medical treatment. So the girls didn't know. So if they know, like, hey, you know what? Like, When they get to be 12, 13, tell them this, right? The doctor Mm -hmm. will never, ever, ever, anybody, massage therapist, anybody will never touch your privates. If they do, you need to tell me immediately. And then the language you use is, we'll make sure you get help and they get help. Don't say that they'll be... (laughs) Like go to jail. Say they get help because usually the child loves and trusts and knows that person, right? True. So it's, a it's a mess. They want to protect. them. And it's impossible to say we'll get them help. And then in your own time, you figure out how you're gonna,
0: you know, do whatever you're gonna do to. Yeah. Yes. Them okay. Right. I wanted to end with a mom sense moment that you yes. had. Yes. Um. you trusted in your intuition.
1: When Milo was about, I think, probably three or four, we were out running errands and we'd done the first thing and the second thing. And then the third thing was to go to the grocery store. And my gut said, don't do it. Don't do it. He's going to freak out. But I thought, it was fine." and what did I do? I did it. Okay. And he freaked out, right? Wow. So that mom sense moment was to, I mean, really for me, it was like, okay, pay attention to that. And then I just want to Bring it back to what we're talking about. Women are—we are taught to shove our intuition down into the into the basement, right? So if there's yeah. every moment with a person in your life where your guts like they're they're not safe. This is a person is uncomfortable for me. Pay attention because they very they may be a predator. So I mean, that was like when I think about my mom sense thing. That was my it was one of my biggest ones because it just taught me right. Yes. Don't ignore this. Don't ignore this. I learned so I didn't ignore it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, amazing. Yeah. And where can my audience find you and you know get your books? Yeah. So birdsandbeesandkids.com
1: is my website. I have a very robust library there. So you can find all the books that I've mentioned and and more. And then I'm on Instagram and Facebook, of course, and they're both birds, bees, kids. So pretty simple.
0: Thank you so much, Amy. It was a joy to have you on. I think you did a lot of myth busting and parents are going to feel empowered and courageous enough to have the talk. That's my goal. That's my goal. And thank you so much for trusting me with your people. I just so appreciate it. I so appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode with Amy Lang. I hope you all are excited to have the chat about the birds and the bees with your kids now. I know I am, and I am so appreciative to you, Amy, for the key takeaways and helping us navigate what is otherwise a difficult and hard conversation and adding levity and understanding through it all. Tune into other episodes of That's Total Mom Sense wherever you listen to podcasts on my website thatstotalmomsense.com, and on YouTube. I'm releasing the episodes on my YouTube channel. You can just search Kanika Chadha Gupta or That's Total Mom Sense to find it. And I'm also releasing one YouTube short a day and that is essentially a soundbite or highlight of all of the interviews I've done till date. And there's some really good ones with Chelsea Clinton and Kelly Rowland and America Ferreira. So watch the YouTube shorts and tune in to the videos. You can follow me on Instagram where I'm most active at Kanika Chadha Gupta and write to me at that's total mom at gmail.com. And now a word from our sponsors. Hi again, it's Kanika. Before we wrap up, Have you tirelessly been Googling the best work from home jobs? Are you looking for the type of job that allows you to show up in the most important parts of your life, yet still bring home a paycheck? Or are you looking for a side hustle that fits into your already packed schedule? You might even have exhausted a search or 10 on Google, Instagram, and random mom groups trying to find a work from home job, one that pays well, offers flexibility, and won't bore you out of your mind. As a mom of three, it's important to me to be present and spend time with my kids after school while having a thriving career in podcasting during the hours that work for me. And that's why I partnered with Amanda Rush Holmes, founder of full-time VA to sponsor this episode because she gets it. As parents, we can't be in two places at once and work-life balance is a misnomer. A career as a virtual assistant allows you to set hours that work for you so you have time for your family and you each week. Being a virtual assistant comes with amazing perks like offering the services you want to offer, setting your own rates, working the hours you want to work, and being your own boss. This is how you can be present for your family and have a fulfilling career, bringing in income on your own terms. No more wishing, hoping, and Googling. Now, you might be thinking, this sounds good, but how do I actually get started as a virtual assistant? Amanda has put together a free training on how to be a virtual assistant that makes full time income with part time hours. There are actually two versions of this training. So, whether you're looking to ditch your nine to five or start a side hustle, there is a customized training for you. And as a special gift for that Total Mom Sense podcast listeners, when you visit the full time VA dot com backslash mom sense amanda is also including a bonus free guide the va kickstarter workbook so visit the full-time va.com backslash mom sense to grab your free training and guide now back to the interview remember always trust your mom sense and dad sense stay strong super parents i will see you next time that's total mom sense